Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. We have a really amazing guest joining us today, and I'm so excited I got to get some of his time to come on the show. We have Ken Chaplin from Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Now, Ken is the Chief Marketing Officer, so I had to have him on the show today. And we are also joined by my guest host, Justin Knott. Hey, everybody. Ken and Justin, introduce yourselves. Hi, Kelly, Justin, uh, Ken Chaplin. Uh, thank you for the introduction and the opportunity to be on the show. Um, Chief Marketing Officer for Cancer Treatment Centers of America, which is, uh, means I'm responsible for all the demand generation activities uh, for our five hospitals and 10 outpatient care centers across the U.S. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just a little organization, cancer treatment. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're such a massive organization in healthcare, and they do so much for so many and have so many providers. So it really should be a great conversation today. Ken, can you tell us a little bit? So you're in this marketing world with us. We're in the healthcare marketing world. But how did your journey begin and, and what led you to working for Cancer Treatment Centers of America? Yeah, well, it's a great question and uh, a long journey. So, um, you know, over over 25 years uh, for me, so kind of dating myself here, but I've been in uh, in marketing-related capacities, fortunately, my entire career. It's what I studied at school and was able to, to find uh, gainful employment in the field. So, um, somewhat of a circuitous route that led me to Cancer Treatment Centers of America that began in really the early days, uh, the Walt Disney Company and consumer products and yeah, entertainment marketing uh, for them in, in Burbank. So that's right. I started my marketing career with arguably one of the top brands in the world. So yeah, that's a great place to start. Yeah. Phenomenal training ground. And, and from there, I was able to take on a few overseas assignments. So I was able to live and work in, in Japan for a couple of years, working with uh, Tokyo Disney Sea and then into uh, Australia at uh, Australasia, looking after that part of the world. And then uh, the most fun, probably and exciting, Shanghai, as the Walt Disney Company Shanghai was getting established in the early 2000s. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. What do you think based on kind of your journey and coming out of that side of the marketing world, which is obviously it's consumer facing, so there's those similarities between the two, but healthcare has such a different landscape, I think, because of the high trust factor that has to be developed, especially in cancer like you're dealing with. What do you think kind of makes healthcare marketing different than the other industries either you've worked in or just kind of in general? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, Justin. That's a, that's a spot on question. You know, coming out of the Walt Disney Company, I spent some time in financial services uh, with both Experian and, uh, and TransUnion. And fortunately in that industry, highly uh, regulated and, and one that uh, requires marketers to hone their skills and, and rely on different things. Healthcare, uh, to your point, is a step change even further. So, uh, you know, in, in healthcare, we, we we must and should respect individuals' privacies, and, and it requires us to be smarter, if you will, and, and using the tools that, that we have uh, that are respectful of privacy to get at and, and message consumers that they have options in their healthcare journey that you wouldn't have access to, you know, in, in other sorts of cities or, or other uh, towns. So giving them these choices and empowering them uh, with decisions, but doing it in a way that respects their privacy is, is certainly challenging. Yeah. And you bring up such a good point about educating these consumers and making sure the patients have the resources and content to make the best decisions. But at the same time, you know, it is their decision at the end of the day. So I definitely think that's interesting when it comes to healthcare marketing is how do we reach these patients? It's not something like we can just sell them something. We have to make sure we give them all the information up front. It's really, really a good point. Ken, what do you think 
as part of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, you guys have a huge organization and a really big marketing team that probably webs in all different types of departments from physician outreach to digital marketing to advertising, even working with different providers. So how do you guys as a leadership team work right now to stay engaged and communicate with your marketing team with all your organizations as well as stay engaged with your providers? Yeah, certainly it's been uh, it's been challenging, you know, lately given given the circumstances, especially on the group you noted the the physician relations team. You know, it's, it's difficult to to call on them individually. So, like all of us, they've been utilizing you know a variety of different online platforms to try to reach and engage with the physician teams and the groups certainly out there. And, and the, the days of being able to just go and grab lunch with someone or have a have a conversation are, are certainly not with us today. Hopefully, they will return, but the, needing to rely on other forms. So, so that's first and foremost. With regards to reaching consumers, um, you know, we have seen a, a pretty interesting shift in, in media consumption habits and online search behavior, certainly from a geographic standpoint, but also a platform standpoint. And that has caused us to, to really shift our strategy uh, pretty dramatically so we can indeed, to your question, stay engaged uh, with consumers and, you know, keep them informed and continue to remind them about what we're you know seeing that you know cancer you know won't wait it won't wait for things to get back to normal and it won't wait for the you know, the pandemic to pass and being able to message them on platforms like OTT which is you know over the top over the top of the cable box direct digital video and then refining our paid search strategy again by geolocation to message these individuals has been really core to staying engaged yeah that's a great point what have you seen if we even back up, obviously taking kind of COVID out of it, but over the years, I think it's been an interesting journey, the way that consumers have shifted to such a priority on their own health journey and understanding like all the components of it. Have you seen that as kind of how y'all tailor your marketing, as you said, either getting more specific in geolocation or, or more focused on storytelling with the providers and the, the patients involved? I just think that there's never been more of a shift toward consumers or patients wanting their own information and to understand more. Yeah, Justin, that's exactly right. Consumerism as a trend in healthcare is, is certainly uh, with us and, and well entrenched. And, and, you know, we know that, you know, consumers, uh, wherever they have that best experience online, whether it's banking or travel or anything, they expect that experience everywhere. And so in the healthcare industry, if they're not experiencing, you know, the consumer centric approach that they get in other industries, it, it certainly is a miss for them. Uh, but what you're talking about is really the core of the foundation of, of how this company was founded, you know, over 30 years ago, you know, our founder lost his mother to cancer and, he, and, and it was a, a very tough experience obviously as it would be for anyone oh, yeah. uh, but in that tragedy for him you know he vowed to say he wanted to make sure patients had options and were empowered to make their own choices because for, for him and his mother, she wasn't given those choices. And that is still true today for many, many patients where you have a, a primary care physician, they make a diagnosis of potentially cancer and you're whisked away across the street to whomever they refer you to, you know, while your head's spinning. So, so what we're just trying to say is, hey, there are options and, and you can, uh, to your point, take your treatment, take your journey uh, and control it yourself. Be empowered to make those decisions. You have a partner and you have a partner who's going to deliver you with the power of a plan uh, to to get you uh, the treatment you need, certainly, but also in the type of environment and in a compassionate setting that, that treats you as a human and, and, and gives you that, that uh, care that, that certainly you deserve. And we call it the, the mother standard, right? The, the level of care that you would expect and want to give your own mother. 
That's amazing. And at CTCA, are y'all really, because we, we try to talk to practices big and small about getting patients involved in that storytelling and it couldn't be more true in the vertical that y'all are addressing. Is, is that something that you guys really focus on is how do we tell the patient stories who are coming out on the other side or in the middle of it to support the families and connect with more patients? Do y'all, do y'all leverage that a lot? Yeah, absolutely. Patients are the, the best story, right? Yeah, I mean, we can craft a, a wonderful message and a beautifully shot commercial, but you know, the best way to tell the patient story is to let the patients tell that story themselves. And we certainly do have a, a, you know, an amazing uh, group of patients who are uh, passionate about the care they received and they want to tell their story. Um, that was one of the things I found very interesting when I, when I joined uh, Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you think about the, the cancer treatment program, right, it's, it's cut, burn, poison, right? So your, your surgery, your radiation, it's chemotherapy. It's a very tough mm-hmm. part of a person's life and, and one that's, you know, they're brave, they're strong and, and you know, the, the most respect for them. But you would think after that's over, over and they've sort of come out on that, the other side of it and, and are in remission, the last thing they'd want to do is go back to that place where they had this treatment. But we find that's the opposite. In fact, we have a, a group of cancer fighters is what their group is called. And, and they are um, hands up, willing ambassadors saying, please let me help you. I want, to, uh, I want to come in. I want to be an ambassador. I want to pass forward this story and, and what I found and share it with others. And they, they call on, on some of their friends and they come back on, on a five-year time frame and, and celebrate their survival. And that is, you know, I think kind of unique uh, because of the way we deliver the care and, and the family environment that, uh, that we provide them. And that's so important with cancer too. And especially now with COVID, you have patients out there, maybe even scared about some of the next steps in their treatment. I know my brother is a, a cancer surgeon in Miami and it definitely added some huge complications for him and getting to see patients and what types of patients and and they're nervous for big surgeries, but of course this is cancer. And like you said, it doesn't wait for anybody. So um, how are you guys helping these patients understand the risks, how you guys are keeping them safe and what they can do during these times already with so much going on in this emotional process of cancer plus COVID? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, as your brothers probably told you, and as you probably uncovered in the show, you know, cancer screenings are, are down dramatically from you know, March, April, May. People are, are putting off their, their physicals, their screenings, their diagnosis, right? It doesn't mean the cancer is not still there. It just means that they're not getting diagnosed. And that is incredibly, you know, scary. You know, with regards to what's happening in the medical community, you know, certainly we've had calls, you know, of individuals who have said that, you know, a lump was discovered, but, but, you know, doing the lumpectomy or doing, uh, you know, the further testing is somewhat of an elective process. Can, can you please oh, help me? That's awful. And, and you, you can, yeah, you can imagine, I'm not going to sit and wait. This is back in March till June for things to clear up. So, so what we're, we're doing is, you know, partnering in the medical community where we can to say, Hey, if a certain hospital is needing to convert floors to treat COVID patients, you know, we can partner to say, we'll help you with your cancer population and bring those individuals uh, so they can continue their treatment in a safe environment and return to their, uh, their hospital that they came from, you know, once that hospital is able to accept them again. So we're certainly doing that in the medical community from a messaging standpoint as well. You know, we, we are a cancer only hospital. Uh, that doesn't mean we're immune to, uh, you know, a COVID uh, exposure, but, but we're not actively treating 
COVID-19 patients. So, so the, the limit there in, in being able to keep patients safe is certainly you know, the priority. We, we are following all of the, the protocols and the masking and the uh, limitations that, that you would expect in a, in a hospital. And we're also certainly providing you know, concerned patients with an online screening tool so they can get online, use a, an Alexa scale, which is voice activated to, to sort of understand their risk if they've been exposed and, and if so, um, how they can seek treatment. So trying to provide both certainly physical resources to, to help patients treat, uh, but also online digital resources to allow them to, in their own way, assess their risk, and if necessary, also you know, use telehealth so that they can engage with a doctor online. So it's all about communication, communication, communication of these patients. And I love what you said too. We had a conversation earlier and Ken mentioned to me, there's a lot of talking about what's going on, but what's not going on. And that's the way I loved how you phrased that. You just brought up too during this interview, how these screenings have gone down. What do you predict as some pivots you guys will have to make to make sure we're still educating and communicating to these patients that we need to be getting these screenings done. We need to stay ahead of it. Even with the danger of COVID out there, there's a lot of risks out there when we stop screening for these cancers. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. You know, you, you hear all the the stories of people making uh, <laughs> sourdough recipes or TikTok videos, and oh, this is exciting. This is a change. So the, the talk of what's happening is certainly interesting and, and culturally relevant, especially as a marketer. We all we all follow that, right? But when you stop and, and we look at what's not happening, and, and and that is core. When you look at Google search interest on things like cancer, cancer screenings way down uh, year over year. And, and when you pull actually the data on screenings for things like breast cancer, colorectal, lung, in, in some cases, those screenings are down 89, 90% year over year. And, and that's resulted in then from a diagnosis standpoint, you know, close to a 40% drop in cancer diagnosis compared to the same time last year. So, so again, that, the scary part of that is that, you know, it doesn't mean the cancer is not there. That's the answer. Hey, we've cured it and, and people aren't having it. It means that it's going undiagnosed. And, and what that means then is in a, you know, in a six months, in a year, uh, when people are going back, they, they could have found this, diagnosed it, and treated it sooner. Uh, and now the, the risk is that it's going to be a much more complicated case if they don't continue to, um, to seek that care and seek that treatment. So that is the message we're, we're certainly trying to get out you know, in partnership with other you know, cancer providers across the country. And it's been interesting to see you know, on, on Twitter and Facebook and other sort of social platforms, you know, other cancer hospitals saying cancer won't wait. And that's not because of a monetary we're trying to keep business up. Not at all. It's because we do care about the patients. And from a patient-centric standpoint, you know, it's, it's just devastating to think that these people are too scared to treat their cancer. So we want to make sure we're there for them. With that said, that's really interesting. In the world of marketing, obviously, cancer is known. So from a positioning standpoint, winning Google search and Google ads, a lot of those things is a big part of the battle. Are y'all shifting? Because with with such a substantial drop, it becomes a kind of a re-education. Like people need to come in, it's safe, you need to be doing the screening. So are you switching to kind of like that, you have that push pull in marketing. We're really trying to get back in front of people, whether it's retargeting or with video ads. How are y'all shifting kind of your strategy now that people seeking that have gone so far down? So you really kind of have to get almost back in front of them to re-educate them. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. You know, we had been we had been on a adjustment to you know focus a lot more on on sort of that paid search world and continuing to refine you know our auction time bidding so that we can really you know get at the intent of a search and, and be able to deliver that message. But we are seeing is is a resurgence in the importance of online video. 
and reminding people, you know, during their media consumption that, you know, cancer won't wait and, and that you need to get out there. So that's just the direct message, certainly on, on local broadcast, uh, but also on, as I said, OTT or, you know, video on demand types of platforms. And that has really seen a resurgence for us. When we turn that on, we can see, you know, directly that individuals are, are reaching out and, and calling and, and re-engaging with us. And it's been a, a very positive thing to remind them and message them, but definitely a shift because to your point, if you have cancer, you know, you have it, you're searching for it, you can, you can just be there. But now we need to remind people to continue to treat their their other you know comorbidities or other sorts of things that they're dealing with during this crisis and video is playing a key role in that and i think what you brought up is a really good point earlier and you mentioned it a few times in here and we really try to stress upon practices and healthcare systems how much you guys sound like you rely on data like you mentioned several times like statistical searches down i mean it's clear you guys put a prominence from a marketing standpoint of letting the data speak and then make decisions based on that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. We, you know, being, you know, one of the first healthcare providers to really start to directly message consumers, uh, you know, allows us to have built a, you know, a fairly sophisticated, you know, data structure and, and data lake that allows us to, you know, stitch back together, uh, you know, media to actual, you know, calls and, and, and treatments so that we can, you know, identify and message appropriately. And I think one of those things in the data that we were, you know, in front of, you know, before and, and from the early days of this crisis was the geographic side of things and, and being able then to tailor our messaging, you know, knowing an immunocompromised individual is not necessarily in March and April, maybe even still today, wanting to get on an airplane and fly for treatment as much as they, they may need it, you know, really focusing our messaging on those, those markets that are you know, 300, 400 miles, maybe a day's journey or less in a car, you know, for treatment. And that allowed us following, you know, the data and following the, the patterning interest and, and conversion throughout each stage to message in the appropriate markets and, and be able to, you know, reach more people more efficiently. That's excellent. I'd like to pick your brain on one thing that's always, as kind of consumers have gotten smarter through the journey, what do you think about the use still, because you hear kind of both sides, especially with larger spends of the use of landing pages? Are y'all, do y'all leverage those when it comes to advertising to really funnel the message? Or is it kind of that belief that consumers are smart, you put them in the ecosystem and they'll figure it out? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. You know, I was, I used to, you know, live and die by landing pages and we'd, we'd you know, control test every landing page, you know, so six ways to Sunday. I, I agree with you. A little, a little different in healthcare that we're seeing in sort of this space because you know someone typing our most sought terms are certainly cancer. Uh, you know the can- a cancer term plus symptoms plus signs plus you know treatment options. So whether that's breast cancer, lung cancer, colorectal, you name it. They are seeking information by and large. So to to bring them to a, a you know a conversion landing page is is somewhat of a you know a disservice for finding when when they have concerns they're looking for answers to a very specific question. Um, we want to be that resource for them and provide them with that information. Certainly, when they reach that content page, uh, there are options for them to you know chat with an oncology information specialist if they'd like to stay online. And you know the majority of our traffic, like most people, does come from a mobile device. And people are very comfortable chatting uh, or certainly click to call on, on any one of our pages. They can 24 hours a day, seven days a week, reach one of our oncology information specialists for more information. So, you know, first and foremost is always the patient empowerment side of things. So giving them that data and doing that in a way that's easy for them to consume. Uh, but then also if they seek additional resources, then at that point, uh, be able to reach out and talk to us. So the traditional, you know, conversion landing page of, of orange buttons versus blue buttons or, you know, background, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not so much uh, in 
in this industry as, as much as it is perhaps in others where, you know, we certainly are wanting to, to give the information first and then certainly for the right place, then provide them the option to, uh, to call and find out more information. I think that is such a great point. And it just speaks to the way that the consumerism and the patient journey has shifted and patients want to be empowered themselves, as you mentioned, and read their own materials and, and feel educated and feel involved in the process. And, and that's what really matters ultimately is building that trust relationship that you're the trusted source and the thought leader in that space. That's really insightful. That's exactly right being trusted. And if you think about, you know, the difficulty with which it is to navigate the healthcare system today. And, and you know, if you've, if you've had anyone who's had any sort of troubling, complex diagnosis, um, Kelly, your brother, I'm sure can talk about it. The caregiver plays such an important role in this that, that helps, you know, facilitate certainly all the insurance, the travel, the diagnoses, the testing, you know, and, and what we try to be is that partner uh, for everyone. So whether or not you have a caregiver, if you're on your own on your, this journey, if you have an amazing caregiver helping you through it, um, we want to be that resource because it is, you know, from our research and what we've heard from patients, you know, very, very confusing, very scary, and uh, you know, a troubling time. So being able to provide that information, certainly on the website, but also you know, mouth to mouth, face to face, or um, you know, over the phone, voice to voice. Yeah, and it's really important, like you said, to provide those resources and and stay engaged. And switching topics, Ken, I'm going to kind of dive in a little bit more to a branch of your marketing team. And and when we're talking about resources. I talk a lot about building physician referral relationships with my audience, and I wanted to get some insight on how Cancer Treatment Centers of America is building those physician referral relationships during this time of COVID. How are you guys staying plugged in with the physicians in your community that refer, the physicians within the organization, staying engaged and using your outreach team to still inform and educate? Yeah, it's a you know, great, a great question. It's certainly an important you know part, as you said, of our involvement in the medical community and and also our ability to to treat patients. So, you know, the physician relations physician referral program, uh, you know, for CTCA, you may be surprised, is somewhat still new. You know, as I've mentioned, we built our practices and our, our hospitals around the idea of direct to consumer, you know, messaging and almost an inverse relationship of a of, of a traditional hospital, if you if you would say that. Um, with regards to the percentage of patients that come via direct to consumer versus referral. Now we have changed that over the past few years and, and have begun to say, well, you know, we, we are in the physician relations uh, management business. We are working with the local community. And, and why is that? Because now, you know, we're in a place where, you know, historically it had been challenging for us based on our structure with regards to sort of the government patients, the Medicare, um, we're able now across all of our sites to accept Medicare patients. That now allows physician relations teams to be more effective. You know, they historically weren't able to go in and say, hey, send us your commercial insurance, but not your government. Now we're saying, like, we want to help all patients because we've structured ourselves and, and gotten the right ratings and the right coverage with government services to be able to now accept those patients. So that's part one. Part two is we now are in network with more of the insurance providers um, that we've ever been before. So, you know, recently signed uh, in network agreement with United Healthcare. So again, because we have the ability to accept government, because now we have the ability to be in network, we can be a better resource to those physicians. So being able to message them, you know, through certainly things like the email marketing platform that, that we use to get out and reach doctor to doctor, physician to physician has been key. 
online, you know, CME and tumor boards has been key to staying engaged, certainly in that community. And then, uh, you know, the others I mentioned earlier uh, is continuing, you know, via phone and, and Zoom meetings to work with physicians and, and let them know that we're here, that we're in the community and we're able to treat their patients. And very importantly, what we found is, you know, that continued communication, as we said, with patients back to the referring physicians. So providing them updates on how their patient's doing, providing them, uh, you know, with the prognosis uh, and uh, how they've done and how they're receiving treatment. That's, that's core to our relationship and our commitment to those referring physicians. And those are big shifts. I mean, you're talking about making it easy to refer available and informing them on all types of patients you guys accept. And I love how you talked about you know, staying in touch via Zoom and some of these other ways during COVID when I'm teaching my students and my physician liaisons and physician relations. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you feel right now during COVID, sometimes the best things we can do is just support our community and inform our community and make sure that they're not having any additional work trying to figure out, like you said, insurances that are accepted. What did the follow-up look like for my patient? Lab results. I mean, these are questions these physicians have and we want to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, coming into physician relations uh, side of things, you know, maybe later than you would expect for a company of our age and size is, is somewhat been, you know, beneficial now because we can invent it, right? We can, we, we don't have to unplug and remake uh, an old system. So being able to do that from scratch and being able to say, what would a physician want? Building those programs, building that information, talking to them, listening to them allows us to really customize that and tailor the approach so that it does certainly give them comfort. And again, most importantly, the patients, the treatment that they need and, and the care they deserve. Well, you had to have given the physician relations team so much ammo going back to what you said earlier, which I think is so important and I commend y'all for is really focused on how can we be an outlet for the local community that really needs help in the health, from a healthcare standpoint. Because even going back to my brother-in-law, they went from one triage area in the hospital to five for COVID. And now he's playing the game of trying to protect his patients that are having major cancer surgeries and stuff. And so they're like losing capacity and obviously the focus is shifting on COVID. So to know that y'all are out there from a messaging standpoint saying, we're here to help. We can take the overflow. We can help you with your cancer patients so you can focus on what the priority in COVID is right now that's really just weighing down a lot of the healthcare system. That's got to be a really great message that the physician relations team is probably happy to share. Yeah, absolutely. And our, our CEO, uh, Dr. Pat Basu, who, who joined us a little over a year ago, has been, you know, certainly uh, well known in the medical community. Personally, reaching out to the, you know, the CEOs of those of those hospitals as well, and you know, being that resource, um, you know, direct to direct uh, communications, and and you know, and again, just from that patient empowerment side of things, helping these individuals so that we don't end up with, you know, what he's coined the, you know, the shadow curve of, of a huge spike in, uh, you know, cancer fatalities in, in a year, two years from now that could have been prevented by being able to treat these patients now and not postponing them because of, you know, the triage emergency need to handle COVID patients. Yeah. And that's such a, a big thing to start thinking about is what effects does this have on healthcare in long-term a little bit beyond COVID and kind of opening our eyes to other situations that could occur. So how are you guys changing the liaison role or the physician relations role? Now you talked a little bit about using Zoom. Have you guys considered having some of your physician liaisons teams use platforms like LinkedIn to stay connected or how are these meetings looking? What are these discussions looking like? I know a lot of my audience want to know from a big organization like Cancer Treatment Centers of America, how are you guys utilizing your liaison teams and, and having these meetings and what are some ideas you guys put in place to get them 
you know, busy and engaged. Yeah, no, certainly. Uh, no matter how how big or, or how small, I think you're you're exactly right. We we do leverage a lot of the, the same platforms. Uh, you know, an individual practice with whether that is LinkedIn. We're we're certainly very active there on providing you know content updates. We are also uh, active on Twitter, where we have Twitter forums. Um, our uh, our head president of medicine and science, Dr. Maury Markman, conducts you know, these Twitter chats, if you will, where he focuses on a variety of different topics and is able to engage there. And, and our physician you know, liaison team certainly is providing invites to that as, a, as just content. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, whether it's a, you know, immunotherapy or precision medicine, uh, being able to join in on those and, and talk with a, you know, a giant of oncology like Dr. Markman is certainly beneficial in that. We've launched, you know, taken a cue from what you both are doing, a weekly or biweekly webcast with Pat Basu, where he's interviewing a variety of our, you know, our doctors on, on topics from COVID to quite a few different things. So being able to, to provide that content, and again, gives us our physician relations teams, you know, reason to engage with those physicians and invite them to something. It's not about anything other than, hey, here's some great content. You can watch it from home. You can listen to it whenever's convenient for you, or you can engage in a, in a Twitter chat or some other type of content. And that, that is really key just because everyone is looking for information. They have the same questions that you both are trying to you know, provide answers to with your guests. We're trying to do the same thing within the physician's community. So certainly using the platforms as the means of safe communication, but developing rich, engaging content that says, hey, you know what, I'm going to take an hour out of my day to, to listen or, or watch you know, this webcast or this podcast. Oh, that is fantastic. You just did our work for us. It's like what we tell everybody all <laughs> the time. That's that's amazing. Exactly what you need to do. And and physician liaisons, he brought up some really great points that I like to talk a lot about. We're talking about supporting and, and driving resources, but also featuring our physicians as well, providing education and and ways that not only patients can get involved, but maybe even other healthcare professionals in your community with online trainings and CMEs and webinars and just really education-based platforms that are supporting others, educating others, and providing resources. Well, Ken, I'm going to get a little bit more personal with the next few questions and then make sure we have a link to, like you said, Dr. Basu's interviews. I want to make sure we have that in the notes. But Ken, what do you feel as a healthcare marketing professional that you would predict, um, and we did talk a little bit about this, that will be the biggest change for providers and healthcare organizations in the next coming months? And how should they prepare? It's a good question. Trying to be, uh, you know, somewhat forecasting on this. The big, you know, I think shift in this that is seismic for the industry, you know, is telehealth. And I think unquestionably, the use of, of you know, video for, for engaging with the doctor and, and engaging, you know, with the care provider is, is really key. If you think about the adoption rate of that prior to COVID to after, we haven't seen things like that jump that fast, um, you know, in, at least in anything I've seen. Uh, so, so being able to provide the patient experience, you know, on that type of platform, training doctors in a way to do that. It's not a skill that's just inherently developed. You know, doctors are used to, as you guys know, you know, that face-to-face, uh, you know, type of contact and being able to facilitate an effective evaluation via a video platform, I think is going to require training. How we think about our relationship, certainly with the, the payer community, CMS with regards to uh, video is going to be very interesting for us. So I think that is, that is one that uh, um, is going to be perhaps one of the largest um, changes in the industry going forward where we're seeing it now. And I don't see us going back to, uh, to the old ways. I could not agree more. I actually did 
a webinar yesterday with a really large telehealth company that we collaborated on. And it's just such an evident need, as you said, for physicians to figure out how to navigate that new telehealth ecosystem because it's just such a massive paradigm shift so quickly. I mean, we had almost a thousand registrants on that and it was a one week thing. And just that's how many people are out there. Like I've got this telemedicine that I have to use to engage with patients and try to bring in new patients. And I don't know how to get senior patients uh, using the technology and how to integrate it into my EMR. I mean, that's, that's definitely something everyone's trying to scramble, especially big and small right now. So I think that's, that's a great point. Yeah, and interesting, you know, on it, uh, there's been a real democratization of technology. You know, in the past, it's like, okay, you have to work with a custom provider and, and get the platform built in, a, in certainly a secure way. But, you know, it, it, right now, Microsoft Teams can facilitate a telehealth visit. So the, so the privacy is there and everything. So there really is now uh, that, that ability for everyone to access it. It doesn't have to be a huge IT group. It can be an individual practice. And, you know, exactly as you said, how do you get a senior population? You know, cancer diagnosis tends to be 50 plus. How do we get those individuals comfortable? So, you know, providing video resources on our website, providing easy how-tos on to download the, the application so that they can access it. You know, we're finding a pretty big uptick on that. And if you kind of stop and think about it, you know, if, if you think about when, you know, the you know, YouTube or some of these other platforms were, were made, you know, those individuals were in their, you know, 20s and 30s when YouTube came out and they've, you know, kind of grown up with it. So if you think about, you know, the, that time, they're now 50, 54. So the, the gap, yes, in, in the senior, senior generation, 70 is there. But if you think about 50, 54 plus, the comfort level we're finding is, um, is a lot higher than you might anecdotally expect. And I think that that's a great point. And I think what's been interesting to see even in the last four months or so, it's been crazy how many people have come online with telehealth solutions. But I think that that will be a really positive thing over the next year or two as going back to kind of the consumerism of it is there were only a couple solutions for a long time. And I think kind of like the EMR explosion with the ACA and everything, I think we're going to see the same thing with telehealth is a lot of kind of end-to-end solutions that are really focused on like ease of use and a lot of different new tech that's going to come out. Because now we have people that have turned their attention to the telehealth ecosystem that were never, ever interested or involved. Because as you mentioned, the adoption rates were so low, nobody was using it. And now everyone has to use it. And I think that that'll be for the benefit of healthcare systems and practices as newer and newer technologies come on board. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and you know, you certainly have to applaud the federal government for removing some of those regulations that were preventing the adoption. And that really was the, was the, the key, you know, to making this work so that, so that we were able to, you know, quickly move and, and not be encumbered by a lot of red tape. So that was, uh, that was 100%. I absolutely agree. So switching subjects again, what do you think, whether it's with CTCA or just kind of you personally, what do you want your legacy to be kind of as you get, say you're 65 years old and retiring, and I know that's far in the future, but what do you want your legacy to be moving down the road? Yeah, great question. Not to, not that far down the road. <laughs> there's kind of a, there's kind of two there's two prongs to it, right? There's certainly the the industry side of things and being uh, you know continually on that innovative side and and you know continuing to you know reinvent yourself in in the marketing category I think is key you know to success if I go back to you know my early days at uh, you know at Disney back in the 90s you know 
about 100% of the platforms and things I do now weren't even invented back then. Uh, you know, so being able to you know, reinvent, whether it's like we're talking about some pretty cutting edge things with, with telehealth or auction time bidding or very you know, high-end data programs that allow us to get into you know, consumers at their moment of need, those didn't exist. So, so being able to you know, reinvent yourself and stay as an innovative leading influencer in the marketing is certainly the, the, the legacy that I think any of us would want within our professional side of things, outward facing. You know, inward facing, you know, for me, I really uh, do value and, and, you know, take pride in the people who work with me and, and work on my team and, and being able to develop them, uh, you know, provide that leadership. And, you know, as I, when I was in my 20s looking up to certain individuals, now as I'm older, I'm, I need to be, you know, like them and provide that mentorship and, you know, take the time to spend with, with someone fresh out of school and be someone that they can then say, hey, I, I remember, you know, Ken helped me through this or taught me this or learned this and, and really being that, that mentor, educator, you know, leader within my, my team. And then certainly from, you know, the, the people we serve, our consumers, every single one of our board meetings, we start with a patient impact story. So a patient comes in to the board meeting uh, with their caregiver and, and, and tells, you know, their story, tells their journey. How did they come to Cancer Treatment Centers of America? Why are they with us? What caused them to come? And, and, and really the, you know, the, the powerful thing there that's not about my legacy, but about the impact, you know, that, that those people found out about Cancer Treatment Centers. They were told to go home and get their affairs in order, but because they saw a commercial, because they read an article, because they engaged on, on a social platform, you know, the wife, the husband, called us and, and said, hey, can you help my husband? Can you help my wife? And you know, we, we bring them in, don't quit on them and provide them an opportunity. And there's so many people who are you know, in front of those board meetings saying, I'm alive today because I saw that commercial or because I, I did something. That for me is certainly not a legacy that I would say I would pat myself on the back, but it certainly gives me you know, comfort that, that a lot of those lives you know, certainly started their journey uh, because of some type of marketing activity. So really three-pronged approach across that and great question. And that's great as a marketer to to feel like you had something to contribute and in some way to impact. And I love how you guys motivate your team like that. It's also a great way to just stay connected with understanding who your patients are and the difference you're really making. So, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we talked a lot about marketing, a lot about Cancer Treatment Centers of America and the huge difference they're making. And also, I think these big pivots and changes they're making even in the marketing, healthcare marketing industry, how you guys are creating resources for patients and providers and just never stopping and getting in front. And then of course, to any of our listeners today, remember one of the big messages we talked about isn't so much marketing as it is. It's really alarming some of the numbers that Ken brought up on how these screenings are dropping. And we need to make sure that we're still educating ourselves and we're still staying in front of our health and so, Ken, can you give us some of the resources on how our listeners can either connect with you, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and find out more information? Absolutely. Our website with all of the, the information we provide, a lot of the links to the videos is cancercenter.com. And there's a resources and support section that certainly has all the, the physician relations, the physician portal that we've discussed, links to the, the variety of programs from, from CME, and, and certainly our video assets are there as well. To reach me directly, I'm on LinkedIn as Ken Chaplin and Twitter, Ken underscore Chaplin. So those are the, the best ways to, um, to reach me. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ken, for coming on again. I really enjoyed it. Be safe. Be well. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't 
forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks, check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.